0: JR Manga presents Midnight City, narrated by DB82. Chapter 3. True Romance Eric, I need to get in this party ASAP. Can you help me out here? Of course. I have intercepted a candidate's invitation and changed his photo to match your likeness. No one looks exactly like their profile pictures anyway. You'll have to dye your hair. Please look in the bathroom. I have left you a 24-hour colorant. Just wash it in and your hair will go back to its original pigment this time tomorrow. Nice. Charlie removed his shirt and walked over to the ensuite bathroom, looking for the bottle which he'd seen straight away on the marble counter near the sink. He set his mobile phone to loudspeaker and placed it next to the white bottle. I guess you can't do that Mission Impossible shit and give me a new face. No, I'm afraid not. A shame. Quite so, Agent 6. Although I do believe you enjoy the other little gadgets I have created. That I do, Eric. The walking stick to conceal my sword and the leg cast was a nice touch. Your card invitation will be sent up to you in a few hours, but your digital invitation will take a little bit longer. Their encryption is very impressive. Military grade, if I am not mistaken. They leave nothing a chance. No, they do not. This military grade security is cutting edge. As it uses AI, it changes its passwords faster than anyone can hack. This AI has gotten so smart it interacts with the missing people's loved ones, friends, associates, etc. Messaging them, texting them, and so on, using psychological answers that would break down relationships. (laughs) It even tampers with photos and social media posts, making it seem as though they are still alive and well, using the latest Photoshop technology. Completely untraceable. I didn't notice they placed two of our missing people together in one post the only time it doesn't work is if by some miracle a missing persons report is created before the AI interferes. So, if it weren't for Martha, I'd never have known
1: about LaToya?
0: That's correct, Agent Six. Although in LaToya's case, her hooker name was different, and no one usually looks for missing prostitutes. The irony here is that it's LaToya's own profession that has allowed us any promise in this case. She used a false ID under the name Ivy Jones, no doubt the AI is falsifying the alias instead of the real person. Sons of bitches! cursed Charlie, wetting his head in the sink and massaging the bottle's contents into his hair. Quite right. I think only five reports have been filed under missing persons, but the artificial intelligence interferes with that too and performs the routine I stated earlier, which changes the status of the person missing to not seen or located. If it weren't for your connection to the Toya, we'd have never gotten this far so quickly. By the time we'd have been able to act, many more would have been lost to us. How can you get me in when they use such a complex security system? That's the strange thing. AI-grade encryption was something I developed in my college years, successfully, might I add, which means these people had access to my research. But those who have stolen from the creator will never understand its true makings. I can get through the AI by uploading a nasty virus to their system. This will only work for 15 minutes, but that is more than enough time for me to put you on the guest list. You're so smart it scares me, Eric. Blood of the sea graves, unfortunately. There was something else I wanted to tell you. Something else? What's up? I have grown to like you, Agent Six. I see you as a friend. Likewise, Eric. So, I will tell you. But please do not utter a word of this to anyone else. You have my word, Eric. Okay, so some of the missing people are not entirely missing, exactly. Their AI does well to cover their tracks, but there's a more sinister reason for this, and our director is keeping this from us. But I discovered the reason true enough. Charlie just finished washing out his hair. He looked up, then wiped the condensation from the mirror, revealing a dark-headed man in the reflection. The director always has his little secrets, so that doesn't surprise me. What's it keeping from us this time? Depending on which time of year these gatherings are taking place determines whether the missing person is actually, well, missing. My software came up with a disturbing match with one of the abducted who was seen by a witness, and that witness was never seen or heard from again. The AI worked its magic on their contact list too. So what's going on? Agent Six, depending on the gathering, They turn these people into externals and release them out into the world, which even I cannot fathom. Although I have a theory that the Wilds must be in league with a higher demon or hierarchy for this kind of agreement to transpire. Yeah, Lucifer. You're joking? No joke, Eric. How do you know this? Because a member of the Wilds' family is coincidentally the child of prophecy. I bet they're grooming him and the poor kid doesn't even know it yet. They make a deal with Lucifer to bring more demons into our world so they can attain and keep power, but they also hold the Child of Prophecy. What rotten luck, for the kid and for us. I'll save the kid, that's all in hand. That fucking family is so blind they can't see the strategy of Lucifer. He's clearly planning a war and their only concern is money and power. What good would it be in a world of darkness, a world of infinite suffering and torture? I suspect that Lucifer has granted certain sects immunity. Though you are right, in the end, what good would it be? They must be stopped at all costs. Some of the missing stay in the city, resulting in them eating the people they know, and whoever else that gets in the way. They leave no trace. Even if the evidence were there, the AI and Ben Cobbs and all other agencies with their corrupt members would swoop in and bury it. Fucking hell, Eric. Charlie took a moment to collect his thoughts before saying, So the other group of people gathered to this party, which is a Sabbath by the way, actually become missing? Yes. If the purpose is to bring forth more externals and the others still remain missing, that means they must either kill them or hold them somewhere. Going through all that trouble just to kill them wouldn't be logical, especially if their earlier motive is to bring them into our dimension, like sleeper cells waiting to be activated. But these sleeper cells are our natural predators and they cannot resist their primal urges, which is to eat us. They must be holding the others captive somewhere. The hope that was in Martha now shone in Charlie's eyes. Latoya could very well be alive. Although she'd almost certainly be an external, there was still hope. But realistic Charlie came into play. It was the word predator that Eric used. Regardless of the Sabbaths that held different motives, one thing was clear. We are their food. After traveling through dimensions, the man-eaters would certainly be famished. The agent wagered that the sole purpose with some of the missing victims was to feed these demonic animals. Charlie prayed this was not Latoya's end. No, she is too strong to be a demon's meal. Her will is too great. But who's to know in that situation? The sheer chaos of being in a room with people transforming into externals, then those externals seeking their human dinner would be a sight no horror movie could recreate. The notion of a win was also interrupted by Eric's loud cursing, which caused Charlie to tense and stiffen in anticipation of what was wrong, as Eric never swore. Probably saw a spider. Charlie, if someone is capturing externals in the city, I'd bet my life my father is involved.
1: Due to popular demand, we now hold our annual events twice a year, location undisclosed. You will receive a text message with the meeting point, where a limo will drive you to the destination. If, for any reason, you would like to leave the premises, our drivers will escort you home. Please leave your cell phones, wallets, and personal effects with our storage girl. She will place your belongings in our on-site safety deposit box. Cameras, metal, and electronic detectors will be placed at the entrance of the location. If our sensors detect anything on you, you will not be allowed in, and you will be escorted home. This will also forfeit any future invitations. We provide an open bar, so please drink until your heart's content. All night long, on us. Private rooms are provided for discretionary purposes. We hope you have fun, and let the darkness take you. "'Let the darkness take you.
0: What the hell does that mean?' asked Jackie in the limo, the chroming grill Hummer limo that was escorting 15 different people. Other vehicles were scattered around the city, all heading to the same destination. A low navy light was above each soft leather seat with small buckets on the left side of them, all housing gold champagne bottles. The scraping of ice and glass sounded like a symphony, along with the head-pounding techno music that thumped beneath the carpeted floor." Flo popped open a bottle, screaming, whoo which was reflectively echoed by the other passengers. She took two of the chilled champagne glasses, gave one to Jackie, whilst holding onto hers as though someone would pry it away from her manicured hands. She poured with a cheesy grin one might expect from a person winning the national lottery. Till your glass, babe, ordered Flo, not even acknowledging Jackie's question. She did as ordered, letting the bubbled substance fizz and swirl, but equalizing the froth respectably. She took a nervous swag, and flow, true to her name, let the drink flow back into Jackie's oval-shaped glass, which had the letter W engraved on it. Jackie gave a heavy sigh. "'Well?' she pressed. "'Well, what, babe?' "'Let the darkness take you on the invitation? What do you think it means?' "'It means get drunk and fuck someone, which I shall be doing.' Low looked for her victim, crossing her bare tanned legs, lifting her short red mini skirt that much higher so her black micro thong would show. It was her favorite piece of underwear, just showing the skin between her inner thighs and genitalia. She also had her lucky pink boob tube that wrapped around her surgically enhanced D-cup breasts, a perfect top for her new airbag features as it held the elasticity to withstand the stretching of her over-endowed bosoms. Under her brunette fringe and hair full of extensions, she searched and found her poor, unaware prey as he sat three seats away from her on the opposite side, alone with a white leg cast and a black walking stick. He's so cute. Flo gave Jackie a sharp elbow to her sides, causing Jackie to dribble some of her drink. What the hell, she cried, looking down, inspecting if any booze stained her skinny white jeans. Thankfully, all was well although she did feel something wet sliding down her skin, making its way to her stomach. She would never lift her top in front of all these people. She had a hard time exposing her round gut to herself, never mind complete strangers. Compared to Flo, she considered herself the not-so-bad-looking chubby friend. The guys only fuck out of pity, or if they were as intoxicated as Flo usually was. Jackie always remained partly sober, Sober enough to know exactly how guys saw her and sober enough to know when it was time to accept the douchebag fucking her because she was sick and tired of Pornhub or the sex toys that particular day. And if she were really being honest with herself, the drink would only release a sexual desire no website or toy could fulfill. Was that the reason she accompanied Flo, no questions asked? Was this the day of her release? Yep, it was. And what of it? She needed a good night out day away from studies, books, and Netflix. See the cutie over there, two o'clock? Jackie turned to stare at the lonely young man seated with a mobile phone in his hand, drinking a bottle of water. Hey, you! shouted Flo with her enticing man-catching grin. The young, black-haired man looked up and locked his icy gaze on both girls. Jackie was never expecting such a beautiful man on this trip. When she looked at the other passengers, it was obvious the young man and them didn't quite fit in. It was like the secret party outfit memo was distributed to everyone else, as the others wore outfits that were perfect for a music festival. Neon colors, headbands, armbands, glow-in-the-dark bikini tops, and topless men that could not decide if they wanted to be like James Dean, Jimi Hendrix, or Mick Jagger. Even Flo looked conservative compared to their fellow raving passengers. Yeah, replied the man politely in a strong New Jersey accent. "'No, that's not a Jersey accent at all. "'That's a New York accent,' thought Jackie. "'A strong one, too.' "'Come over here and keep us girls company,' demanded Flo, "'seductively circling her red-polished fingertip "'around the rim of her glass. "'I'm fine right here, thank you.' "'Jackie had felt some kind of indescribable rush "'from the man's reply. "'No man refuses Flo. "'In fact, Jackie has come to the logical "'yet scientific conclusion.' that no man can refuse flow. To do so would go against one's very nature. Jackie couldn't help but feel the slight increase in her own heartbeat. The heat and tingle in her groin was like someone traced their fingers there, gently teasing, caressing every intimate part of her. When aroused, her sexual behavior was quite frankly animalistic and it could never be tamed for long. So to have a man so in control was the turn on she had been longing for. A man that could resist a woman's advances, a man she could trust, and only a man like that she would devote herself to. Usually too shy, it was this discovered sensation that propelled her to speak to this godly man of infinite beauty. We don't bite, and we'd rather talk without shouting, said Jackie, smiling that golden smile. The man noticed how her confidence improved suddenly. Her words lacked the punch of one that had done this before. It was more like her body forcefully extracted the words from her mouth, leaving the man to notice her bow-shaped lips, caramel brown skin, and curled afro hair that glistened in the navy brilliance of the limo. Her curves only matched the finely drawn roundness of her face, but her eyes harbored a subtle Chinese lineage in them. Flo looked at them both, not comprehending why this man never paid her no mind, but devoted his full attention to her friend. Fuck this. Like Jack Edge, I'm going where the party's at, sang Flo, who removed herself from the situation, but winked at Jackie before shouting another, Woo-hoo! Followed by the ecstatic ravers that embraced her company, like she was an A-list celebrity blessing it with her Hollywood presence. Jackie knew her friend only did this and responded this way to save face. The wink only confirmed her happiness that a normal, non-alcoholic guy had taken an interest in her best friend. In truth, Flo was overjoyed, and wanted to maximize Jackie's chances by giving them both some privacy. The man shot a confused glare at Flo as she walked away. Are you coming over here or what? Jackie's confidence was now the highest it had ever been in her whole 23 years of life. Sure, said the man, as though happy the coast was clear. He got up awkwardly, positioning his stick and leg at a degree that allowed him to not fully rise, but maneuver and stumble his way to Flo's previous seat. Jackie thought he was quite skilled, and hoped he'd be this flexible in the bedroom. A groan was heard as he sat, like the leg cast was made of leaded weights and the stick was just about keeping him steady. ''What happened to you?'' Jackie asked. Her tone was a mix of concern and patronization. ''Oh, this?'' The man looked down at his casted leg. ''Skiing accident.'' ''Pull the other one, pal,'' said Jackie with a comical expression. ''I'm serious.'' replied the man with a beaming smile that was melting Jackie away. "'Every guy with a broken leg says skiing accident.' Jackie emphasized the last part in a deeper, yet Wayne's World-inspired repertoire. The man couldn't help but admire her sharpness. "'It was, I swear,' he said, grinning with one hand up like he was pleading the fifth. "'Okay, which mountain?' she asked interrogatingly, cocking a brow. "'Everest. Lies. You can't ski down Everest.' Again. I'm lucky to be alive. <laughs> Jackie covered her mouth, scared that an ugly laugh would exit. But to her credit, she got her breathing and funny bone under control. You got jokes, huh? She said, smirking. Come on, have a drink with me. Don't let me drink alone. Okay, just one. Jackie was not as confident as her friend when pouring. A skill flow had truly mastered when using only one hand. Jackie steadied herself, placing her small fingers around the neck of the chunky gold bottle and the other at the base, lifting it as well as applying pressure to stabilize. The young man conveyed a subtle smile at the effort she was making, which in turn made her stare up at him with narrowed lids. What guy hardly drinks when going to a party, wintered Jackie suspiciously. A guy that breaks his shit on mountains. The floodgates of laughter opened in abundance for Jackie Sears. She almost dropped the bottle. you got a lot of style for a white guy, I gotta say. Kinda like Justin Timberlake. I'll take that as a compliment. I mean, uh, I do like his music. The man grinned with a shrug, then drank his alcoholic beverage in slow sips, chapping his tongue to the roof of his mouth to evaluate the flavor. Mmm, this ain't half bad. So, what's your name? Not half bad. That is one of the most expensive champagnes on the market. $3,000 a bottle, and we got reserves. Oh, and my name is Jackie. Pleased to meet you. She held out her hand for the man to shake. Max... "'Max Simmons, nice to meet you,' he said, mirroring her greeting action. "'What, do you aspire something?' The man couldn't help but laugh internally, but the laughter left his lips unwittingly. He was afraid Jackie would be suspicious of such laughter, but she just chuckled along with him, slapping his shoulder as though she had known him for a lifetime. Then again, she did have the personality that drew such feelings. A somewhat tranquil nature, a shy but confident demeanor. A sexual innocence that was dipped in experience, far more experienced than the young man who's only ever been with one woman, the first woman ever made, and that woman has left her mark on this man forever, when he drank the feeling of abandonment was worse, when he drank the pain of longing was unspeakable, but she had a job to do and so did he, she knew how he felt and the comforting thought was that she held the same undying love for him, Jackie regarded him with the intrigue of a detective. There's something about this guy I can't put my finger on. All of us here are similar in some way. We've all been on the club circuit one time or another. But this guy doesn't look like he fits in with that crowd. You came alone? Yep, but everyone else got invited with someone they know. Why haven't you? I uh, wondered that myself, replied the man nonchalantly. He looked over at both ends of the limo and noticed to his left and right were pockets of people that knew each other. Flo was now seated with the group on the right end of the disco limo, her boob tube replaced by a fluorescent green bikini top. Before she put it on, she made sure to flash her breasts at everyone she could, screaming, woohoo let's get wasted! Flo, true to her name, let the drinks flow through her by way of a shirtless man pouring what seemed to be an endless supply of liquor into her Botox mouth which mimicked a reverse fountain in the way it hosed onto her tonsils. Flo then snorted a line of cocaine off another girl's glittered chest. She's clearly never watched Pulp Fiction, said Max disapprovingly. Jackie smiled at him, holding in her giggle. If I'm not mistaken, Mia snorted heroin, not cocaine. That kind of knowledge, there's no way you are single. Men don't appreciate a girl that has a sharp eye for movies or how to fix cars. If their manhood is tested, they run for the hills. They also run if a woman has bigger tits than me. Well, to me, those guys are not real men, the young man smiled, leaning slightly, but turned his body more to face Jackie when he said this, swallowing more booze and emptying his glass. OMT, I'm in love. So, is there anyone special in your... The loud cheer from the passenger silenced whatever question Jackie wished to ask the young man, and his head looked around with concerned movements. His quick reaction made Jackie frown amusedly as her dimples showed and her lips curled. Don't be nervous. We must be here now. I'll look after you. (laughs) Jackie hiccuped after her giggle. The man canceled the darting of his wandering eyes, focusing them on her and focusing his thoughts on how sweet she was. Whatever happens, he must save her, too. No, Jackie, he said, his stare serious. I'll be the one looking after you tonight. The limo pulled up to the entrance of an abandoned casino, and although the big flamboyant logo above the entrance was not lit, the inside was. The Long Island Casino, signifying how the sole purpose of the venue was to host these parties. The limo being blacked out, the long drives and turns, the young man knew they doubled back a few times, repeating routes, and going in directions that would lead to anywhere but secluded. The intuitive man lost his train of thought when Jackie spoke with him but being at a rundown casino, there was no need for concern. They had been on the road for around two hours, maybe a little longer than that. A remote satellite had its space view locked on the building, pulling up images of everyone entering or stationed around the premises, which were sent directly to Eric's computer. Charlie had this in mind as he exited the limo, looking directly up to the darkened sky, seeing that one electric twinkle that no one else saw. A red carpet was laid from where the limo was parked, leading up and into the casino itself, with rope dividers on either side, connected to red poles with a fancy golden ball sat upon each one. Flo and her festive entourage of six stumbled ahead, whilst Charlie and Jackie followed. Jackie couldn't help but keep her satisfied grin as she took Charlie's hand and hooked it into her arm. She smiled wide because as she took his hand, he didn't pull away or look at her. It was like he expected her to perform such a daring act, or at the very least, feel a level of comfort that a response was not necessary. More people strolled behind the pair, and they both noticed the group in front stopping at the entrance, with all of them collecting a mixed concoction that was swishing around inside another engraved champagne glass. In that moment, Jackie concluded that the glass and its contents could probably pay for at least four months' rent, bills included. The two raven haired women at the entrance, giving out the drinks, were dressed like those deserving of being on a red carpet, with their Hollywood smiles and flirtatious body language. Flo would fit right in here, Jackie thought. A security team of men surrounded the building, all with white earpieces, black suits, and walked with a trained stride Charlie recognized. They paid ample attention to everyone entering, communicating amongst themselves. Charlie could see the group in front giving up their possessions, placing them in what looked like a safety deposit box a bank would use. The female attendant behind the low desk took their items with a smile, telling them to have fun. Charlie noticed that no ticket or card was given back to them, as there would be no way of knowing which box would be theirs should they wish to return for their things. I guess that's the point. No one returns from these parties, fuckers. The pair reached the entrance, with Charlie keeping a firm eye on the excited group in front. Remnants of the old casino were still present, as the old slot machines, tables, bars were all silhouetted in darkness, the ropey barrier leaving a narrow and direct path to where they should and were allowed to go, which was straight ahead to the elevator. It had another member of security stood next to it, blending his dark skin into the shadows. He tapped his right earpiece, letting whoever it was on the other end know that more were heading down. Jackie handed Charlie a glass of the multicolored booze that bubbled like a science experiment, thanking the tall, picturesque woman in her sparkling white dress. Jackie noticed the woman standing next to her was identical, and she felt the alcoholic need to smile at her too, as she thought it would be terribly rude to just greet the one sibling. Charlie held his glass of fizz, but did not drink this time they walked up to the desk, and the pair turned in their phones, ID, and invitation cards. The redhead never paid any attention to Charlie's walking stick or leg cast. In fact, neither did the security staff. You rule, Eric. The redhead behind the counter scanned their invitations that had no visible barcode on it, typed their names into a computer that was evidently inside the desk she was seated at, and told them robotically to have a good time. How do you know which box is ours when you don't give us a ticket? asked Charlie, increasingly becoming more agitated with this whole operation. This was his first mission undercover. He wanted to kill them all right there and then, but he had Latoya at the forefront of his mind, which automatically made him exercise his version of restraint. Your invitations are connected to our storage boxes, and I remember everyone, replied the woman, who seemed quite surprised by the question, as people are usually too shit faced to ask such things. But her surprise only extended to her voice as her head was down and locked into the glow of her computer screen. "'Have a good time,' she said, cutting off any means of reply. Charlie frowned at the redhead. He stilled himself to keep his look that let her know that he was highly suspicious and not moving yet. Now he was in, he wanted someone to feel uneasy, and she took the bait. When their interaction took place, she didn't look at either of them. Her head was dipped, tapping away on her keyboard. Even when she took their things, she just held out her light slender hand and said, Items, ID, and invitations, please. She could still feel his glare on her. She raised her eyebrows, her head lifting slowly as though in confusion. And there it was. The exchange. Not enough to call anyone. Not enough to shout for help. But enough to know this man was dangerous. It was enough for her to know that tonight was not going to be the same as the other nights. Her face had drained of color, and her heart rate increased to a runner's rhythm.
1: "'Holy
0: shit, twins! Come down with us, baby! Or should we say babes!' shouted two intoxicated men from the group that was behind Charlie and Jackie, now at the entrance taking more than one drink from the sibling's tray. The redhead behind the desk turned to face the raised voices, distracted by the sudden increase in volume." But when she looked back, the man and the seemingly drunk and unaware woman were gone. She leaned over, looked to her left, and could see the man still stalking her with his glistening eyes as the elevator door slid to a close. The storage attendant dropped back into her seat, sighing with knitted brows. Her hands trembled without an understanding, without a solid reason as to why she felt that her karma would come full circle this night. She shook her head and grabbed the water on her desk almost shaking the liquid right out of the white styrofoam cup. "'No one makes it out of here. Does he know? That look he gave me, that meant he knew, right? But if he knew, why go down there anyway?' She pressed her eyes closed, squeezing them, letting out a long breath. "'If he did know, he wouldn't have gone down no fucking way. I'm reading too much into things, as usual. You need a vacation, Judith. I'll ask the Wilds for an advance tomorrow.' As the elevator made its descent into the unknown, the thudding bass of techno music was literally pounding the young pair's feet. Charlie thought everything was expensive, even the damn elevator with its orange lighting of class, a touch screen panel indicating which floor they were proceeding to, and the high quality wood used around the paneling itself, like the upgrade interior of a Maserati. How far did- Charlie was not allowed to finish his sentence, because Jackie pounced on him like a tiger, wrapping her arms around him, pushing him to the back of the elevator. He tried resisting, but she started kissing his neck, making him drop his stick. Experienced and no longer shy, Jackie made her way to his mouth, leaning her body into his, slipping in her tongue, whilst using her other hand to grab his crotch. Her inhibitions were truly released, and Charlie used this moment to tip his drink, acting like it happened naturally, in case the cameras were watching, which he knew they were. So, something was in the drink. The announcement and sudden jolt of the elevator reaching its level made Jackie come back to her senses. OMG, I'm so sorry. I don't know what came over me, said Jackie with her hands cupped around her mouth. It's fine, I wasn't complaining, Charlie grinned with blushing cheeks. He leaned out to pick up his stick. Here, I'll get that. Jackie grabbed the cane quickly, ready to hand it over, but paused, hearing something rattle within it. "Is something in your magic stick, Max? <laughs> Only my rabbit. Will you be my assistant? Of course I will. Laughing hysterically, Jackie handed Charlie his stick, and they left the elevator to walk down a shadowed corridor that was more like a nightclub tunnel, with a stream of fluorescent lights on the ceiling, which changed and reshaped to the beat of the thumping music all pinks, bright greens, waves of red and deep blues hit everyone walking through. Charlie could see Flo and her group stop. They engaged in conversation with the two security guards at what seemed like a thick metal door made of solid bunker steel. They entered with the sentries closing the door behind them. Charlie felt the strong breeze in his direction as the chunky door closed like an airlock with its handle being pushed up to secure it from the outside. Jackie held Charlie's hand as they walked closer. She laid her head on his shoulder, only lightly, as she didn't want him to lose balance. He tapped and walked like an old man, and the group that was once behind them ran past, cheering with applause for having Jackie on his arm. Charlie scowled at them all, happy she hadn't noticed their childish taunts. Assholes. The pair arrived at the door just behind the annoying group of men, one turned around, regarded Charlie pleasantly, then gawped at Jackie. Her eyes were closed as her consciousness laid between awareness and a boozed up daydream. Someone's getting lucky tonight. Once you're done, call me over so I can have a turn, said the tanned influencer, winking his dark eye and flicking his dark wavy hair like it was a damn L'Oreal advert. Sure, replied Charlie, smirking at the man who smiled back, putting his hand on Charlie's shoulder like they were best buds. He was with a group of five other people and they all entered first. Charlie looked ahead, acting as though his focus was on his injured walk and Jackie. He could feel the eyes of the large sentries on him, assessing his leg and stick with a watchful glare. He listened to them (coughs) snigger as he entered. They knew he would be defenseless from an attack in this place. You heartless fucks. You'll all pay. He was fully inside now. The head pounding music even muffled the sound of the solid door closing and bolting shut with the shafting handle not even heard behind him. Charlie moved past the influencer and let his hard cane fly into the man's ankle. The breakage was not perceived by his ears but instantly felt, and it was not acknowledged by anyone, nor could the influencer place where the attack came from. His leg was now set at an entirely different angle to the rest of his foot. He was left rolling and crying in complete agony as his group ran towards the bar and dance floor. The place was packed, and the temperature was stifling. Jackie sprang up miraculously from hearing the music beat against her eardrums. She looked back at Charlie and said she would get them both some drinks. If only she knew that after this night, she would never drink again.
1: You have been listening to Midnight City by J.R. Manga Narrated by DB82 Copyright 2023 by J.R. Manga and VHS Reader All characters and events in this publication other than those in the public domain are fictitious and any resemblance to real persons living or dead is purely coincidental All rights reserved No part of this publication may be reproduced stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means without the prior permission and writing of the publisher. The publisher is not responsible for websites or social media pages that are not owned by the publisher.